The Taipei Veterans General Hospital on Wednesday rebutted a rumor circulating online that former President Li Denghui had died in care on Tuesday. The hospital says that although Li's health had taken a turn for the worse the previous night, it was not as serious as the speculation led to believe. The Taiwan Solidarity Union took to Facebook to criticize the rumors of Li's death as fake news. Observers have speculated that Li's health has been deteriorating in recent months. On Wednesday afternoon, President Tsai Ing-wen, Vice President Lai Qingde and Premier Su Zhenchang headed to the hospital to visit Li. Coronavirus tests have come back negative for all 189 co-workers of a migrant worker in Taoyuan who recently tested positive for COVID after returning back to Thailand. But doctors say that anyone in Taiwan who has in contact with the patient within the last two weeks should stay on the alert, as the virus can stay undetected for many days. NTU College of Public Health Dean Zhan Changquan says that all arrivals at airports should be screened for the virus to make sure asymptomatic carriers aren't going undetected. After a Thai man who had been working in Taoyuan was diagnosed with COVID-19, all 189 of his factory colleagues were tested for the virus. According to the report we just had from Public Health Bureau Director Wang, the latest PCR test results are all negative. Antibody tests for the factory's migrant workforce are negative, but some doctors say they're not out of the woods yet. It depends on when they last had contact with the infected patient. If it was over two weeks ago, then they're safe. If it was less than two weeks ago, then they need to keep on the lookout for two weeks. The source of the man's infection is still unknown, like that of a Japanese woman who was found COVID-19 positive after returning from Taiwan to Japan in late June. In her case, all 123 contacts also tested negative, and no plausible transmission source was identified. That left an unsettling question mark over Taiwan's local transmission-free status. As for imported cases, May and June saw just nine and five such cases come in. But July has seen much more of an onslaught, 20 already, and the month's not over yet. That reflects how prevalent the virus is outside Taiwan. There are constantly people coming into Taiwan or wanting to come in carrying the virus. So airport border controls are extremely important. Especially at immigration, they should contact universal screening. That's how to catch it in the early stage. We don't want people to find out 14 days later when they leave quarantine and they weren't screened. Preventing local transmission and catching imported cases are both priorities. Dr. Jen of the NTU College of Public Health has a firm recommendation to screen all arrivals. Taiwan officials have agreed to retest the Thai migrant worker who was diagnosed with COVID after returning to Thailand from Taiwan last week. Taiwanese officials say his testing positive may have been a false alarm as the test results only show a weak positive. It is still unclear where the patient could have picked up the virus. Health authorities say efforts are underway to retrace the steps of the patient during the three days prior to his departure from Taiwan. Officials say they will also expand the investigation to 43 migrant workers in Taoyuan who saw a doctor in June and July with COVID-like symptoms. Also on Wednesday, Health Minister Chen Shizhong announced border restrictions would not be loosened further for the time being due to the epidemic situation overseas. 
He added the decision would not affect the reopening of borders on August 1st for those seeking medical assistance in Taiwan. Taiwan's new de facto ambassador to Washington, Xiaobi Kim, has already got busy meeting with many U.S. officials. On Tuesday, she met with David Stilwell, Assistant Secretary of State for the Bureau of East Asian and Pacific Affairs. And on Wednesday, Xiao presented a gift of 250,000 Taiwan-made face masks to the American Legion. Our intention, of course, is to work with all of you to keep American veterans and communities safe and healthy during this unprecedented challenge of the pandemic. I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't, can't say that enough for the, uh, for the gift that you have made uh, to support uh, America's veterans. It will save lives. Among those in attendance was U.S. Congressman Ted Yoho, who is set to introduce a bill intended to prevent Chinese invasion of Taiwan. At the event, Yoho said there would be consequences if China ever chose to invade Taiwan. He stressed, quote, this is not our choice, this is China's choice. He added that Beijing could not be allowed to do what it did to Hong Kong, to Taiwan. The Industrial Technology Research Institute has formed a talent development alliance to encourage young engineers to consider a career in electrical systems. The demand for skilled workers in the areas of green energy and smart electrics is growing rapidly, and through a scholarship fund, the alliance hopes to attract more talented students into the field. At the first award ceremony, winners included a young student from the National Taipei University of Technology who successfully built a smart drone. An LED board is held up to start the ceremony. ITRI has gathered 26 electrical engineering companies in a talent development alliance. The confluence of academia, officialdom and industry hopes to cultivate the next generation of electrical stars. In the video, the remains of an ancestral shrine. This is where ITRI President Liu Wenxiong grew up. This year, he started the Memorial Scholarship Fund in memory of his father Liu Shusheng's contributions to Taiwan's electrics. We will award the scholarship to encourage current students and professors teaching in schools to continue to develop in this direction. The power school has started to offer some classes. People in related fields who want to change field and enter electrics and energy can take our classes at the power school. The Liu Shusheng Memorial Award commemorates, as the name implies, my father's life. After spending most of his life serving Thai power, in retirement he continued to help Taiwan's electrics develop. This drone was assembled by a team including NTUT student Ding Zhaosheng and his classmates. Inspired by the potential of AI, they hope to design a smart drone that can replace human workers and increase precision. That's the experimental attitude that won him the Outstanding Project Award. My dream is to join Thai Power and sit in the control room. We will gather together more schools and outstanding individuals to commit themselves to smart electrics and smart energy from many different angles and viewpoints and their own particular interests. This is an opportunity to transition to a new electricity system. The new generation of electrics is developing rapidly and there's high demand for skills across the field. The Talent Development Alliance hopes its awards will get the ball rolling and encourage youngsters to consider a career in electricity. There's only a few days left until the debate for the Kaohsiung mayoral by-election on Friday. 
All three candidates are busy preparing for the debate while on the campaign trail. The Taiwan People's Party candidate says he'll be highlighting Kaohsiung's debt. The DPP candidate says he's been so swamped that he's only had time to go over the debate topics between events. Meanwhile, the KMT's campaign office only says they've set aside some time to discuss their strategies. The countdown to the Kaohsiung mayoral by-election has begun. Taiwan People's Party candidate Wu Yijiang had an early start campaigning on Wednesday. Supporters warmly welcomed his arrival at a local market, cheering as he passed by. Wu says he is confident about his chances for the debate on August 1st. I still hold out hope that Chen Qimai has a plan for Kaohsiung's 320 billion or 330 billion NT debt. I hope he has a feasible and concrete proposal to solve this. This is not something where you can say, I have a good relationship with the central government and call it a day. Wu has issued the call to war to Chen Qimai, preemptively selecting the topic of the debate on the city's finances. Wu says he discusses the issue of Kaohsiung's debt daily with his advisors. Meanwhile, the KMT's Jane Lee has been making fewer public appearances than before. Observers question whether she is busy with preparations for the debate. Actually, all three candidates have periods of more or less activity in their itineraries. Of course, they'd spend time preparing and discussing strategies ahead of the August 1st debate. I even have to read materials over while I'm on the road. I have been concentrating on preparing for it between event and event. We're not just sitting in our offices writing up our political manifestos. We also need to get a feeling for things on the street, heading out there and meeting city residents face to face. Chen has a full plate on the campaign trail, and what little downtime he has, he uses to review campaign materials to use as ammunition in the debate. In contrast, Lee's office advisors have been largely elusive, not wanting to give insight into her preparations. As the countdown ticks away, all three candidates are giving it their all on the campaign trail. The world's first cruise liner to resume operations during the COVID pandemic arrived back in its home port of Geelong on Wednesday. Among the returning passengers was Keelong Mayor Lin Youcheng. Lin says he took the tour as an opportunity to propose further tourism cooperation schemes to the administrators of Taiwan's outlying islands. Passengers on the cruise ship wave hello as they approach the shore. It's easy to tell they've had a good time. The Explorer Dream set sail on July 26 from Geelong. It arrived back in the port on Wednesday after a four-day island-hopping voyage. Passengers pick up the luggage from the conveyor belt and walk outside. Many are carrying shopping bags full of goodies or even boxes of Penghu specialties. The cruise did not leave Taiwan's waters, but it's almost as if the travelers were returning from abroad. About 1,200 passengers travel on Taiwan's first island-hopping cruise. The itineraries on offer start from Jilong with stops in Penghu, Jinmen and Mazu. Returning travelers were full of praise for the trip. It was fun. It was not bad at all. I felt very relaxed throughout the trip and very happy. It felt as if we were overseas. It was fun and quite interesting. They fill up your schedule and you can pick what activities you'd like to join. Zilong's mayor was among the travelers in the cruise liner, but his travel wasn't just for pleasure. Lin took the opportunity to propose future tourism cooperation to the commissioners of Taiwan's outlying island counties. Over these past few years, I talked with the commissioners of Penghu County and Lianjiang County about making package tours with the crews and offering special perks. I think it can open a different kind of tourism model. Loading the suitcases into the car's trunk, the travelers return home all freshened up. 
it's a new way to tour Taiwan in the post-pandemic world. The triple stimulus voucher program was launched this month, allowing people to purchase 3,000 NT worth of vouchers for 1,000 NT. The program, which is restricted to Taiwan nationals and their foreign spouses, has sparked questions from Taiwan's foreign community. The triple stimulus voucher program was launched to help boost Taiwan's economy after the fallout of COVID-19. Not all residents of Taiwan can receive these vouchers. Person who has a Taiwan permanent residence permit is not necessarily eligible to receive the vouchers. They must be a citizen of the Republic of China to be able to. If not, they have to be the spouse of a Taiwanese national. Having a residence permit is not enough. Some argue that foreigners with permanent residence should also be included in the program, especially as they pay taxes. I think it's a good thing to launch economy. I mean, it's for the taxpayers. I'm not a taxpayer here because I'm visa exempt. So I think for the people who pay tax in the country, yes, should be allowed. Yeah, I think so, especially if you're a resident here. Exclusion from the program has left some foreign residents feeling alienated. Even those who are eligible say that trying to access the program has been frustrating. This is Scott. He's been living in Taiwan for about 10 years now and is married to a Taiwan national. But every time he inserted his NHI card in the kiosk, he would get back an error message that said he was not eligible. My, I had a message that um, After that happened, then I thought, well, maybe I'll try calling this 1988, see, see what the problem might be. So I called that number and um, the person on the line um, very pleasant person, but didn't really have any answers. And all they could say was um, it seemed to be a system problem and that they were working on it and that actually a lot of people with um, APRCs or ARCs were having the same issue. When we asked the program's responsible agency about the system error on Wednesday, July 22nd, we were told the problem was resolved. Some residents' permits use the Gregorian calendar, but the system actually uses the Republic of China calendar. So there might have been some issues during the process. Later, we changed it. After July 16th, there should have been no problem receiving the vouchers. But Fall says the vouchers are still off limits. He said he got the error message every day long after July 16th. And they said they, they thought that the system was already fixed. But I should just continue to go into try the machines at 7-Eleven or Family Mart um, and periodically try them each day. So I did that for about two weeks. Fao says he applauds Taiwan for the voucher program and is happy to be technically eligible. Many of those shut out from the program are optimistic that exclusion won't be permanent. I think usually the government in Taiwan, they are inclusive, inclusive so eventually um, they get there, I think. Maybe at first they don't include you, but eventually they, they help you out. Taiwan officials say that eligible persons who still cannot collect the vouchers should call the free hotline 1988, where inquiries will be transferred to the relevant agencies. For most of the news, Stephanie Yang, Tai Chen Yo in Taipei. Well, the weather has been hot, and it's not just humans who are wilting under the summer sun. Many animals find the scorching temperatures just as hard to handle. At Taipei Zoo, keeping the residents cool is a full-time job. Luckily, a trick that usually works for children turns out to be just a ticket for animals too. 
A colorful ice treat is offered to the monkeys and immediately finds favor. It's a scorching summer, and Taipei Zoo is producing ices like nobody's business in a bid to help the animals stay cool. When the animals are outside, they do get very hot. So, as in summers past, the zoo has asked the feeding department to prepare ice blocks. Taipei Zoo has two special ice recipes of its very own: the ice bucket and the ice cup. Washed fruit and vegetables are chopped up and placed in buckets, then covered with water and frozen for three days. They get through the cups much quicker than the buckets, but the cups freeze faster too and are ready in just one day. We chop the fruit up first into little pieces and then make bowls of ice or cups of ice from them. For the animals that only eat meat, we take the big hunks of meat they normally eat and chop them up into little slivers, and then we mix bloody water with fresh water to make a bloody ice block. Some animals have personalized ices prepared. The otters get shishamo fish, the spotted hyena bloody mince. Some of the omnivores get the fruit salad, apple, pineapple, guava, and watermelon. Each one's favorite snack is different, but all enjoy some respite from the heat.